thank you so much for joining the Faith Chapel podcast. Wherever you may be joining us from, we hope that you know that you are loved and that this message encourages you throughout your week. He helped me honor Pastor Josiah, Pastor Brian, Jennifer, the whole Ross family, and this incredible staff, worship team. And you guys are sincerely, you're blessed and honored to have such a great lead pastor and such a wonderful, wonderful staff team. I'm also honored to be here this morning. Uh, this, this topic uh, is one that is kind of, uh, Pastor Josiah, you said it was timely, and that's, that's awesome. Uh, whether you're here in-house or you're online, maybe cooking up some lunch or whatever the case may be, domestically or internationally, wherever you're located, man, th- this is one that a guest speaker doesn't necessarily go, man, this is one I really want to, you know, preach as a guest speaker because you always want to be the guy that brings in this you know, sermon that you know, makes everybody feel really well and is God-honoring, of course. But this one's kind of a sensitive topic because we're going to talk about something. Um, well, that's, that's sensitive. And it's, it's the difference between guilt and shame. And these are things that uh, often we overlook the importance of in our own lives. But if we can grasp the importance of handling and what to do with guilt and shame and how that how God sees those things in our lives, then we can really be set free from some things that have been holding us back for a long, long time. So let's get right into it. Uh, Paul wrote in Romans 8, 13, but if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. So Paul is saying something kind of like this. You have to kill what's killing you. Are you with me? And those two things we're talking about this morning are guilt and shame. Now, one very, very popular Christmas movie was Home Alone. How many of you have seen Home Alone? While we're in the middle of the summer, not in the middle of December, I thought it would be appropriate because it has one of the best examples of guilt from Kevin, the little boy, the eight-year-old boy, actually, who's left home alone. Uh, His mother, Kate, the picture will be up here on the screen just a moment, is in an airplane, and she knows that something is incredibly wrong, but she just can't put her finger on it. And finally, as she continues to think about the things, you know, did you turn the coffee pot off? Did Did we close the garage door? And she's talking this through with her husband. She comes to a moment of realization that, in fact, she left her eight-year-old son home completely alone. And if you've seen the movie, there's a clip where the camera zooms right into her face, and her son's name was Kevin. And she she looks at the camera, and she has this terrified look that any mother would have when she realizes, oh, no, my son is, is not with me. And she says, Kevin! And she is just mortified, mortified. And immediately, the people in the film begin to begin to console her. And so you see in the picture here, you see her sister-in-law. She's holding her hand. And she says to Kate, I'm sure everything's going to be all right. Have you ever felt guilty or shameful about something? And the person trying to console you was telling you everything was going to be okay. But inside, you're going, I don't feel okay. Right? I, I don't. You're saying it, but I'm not, I'm not feeling it. I don't feel okay. I feel guilty. I feel shameful. Peter, her awesome husband, tries to reassure her like any awesome husband would, but man, he just misses it like a lot of us awesome husbands have done. And he says, you know, we didn't forget him. We just, uh, we just miscounted the children. Doesn't make her feel good. Have you ever had somebody try to rationalize your guilt before? Have you ever 
tried to rationalize your guilt before. Uh, the brother-in-law, who's really kind of, you know, the, the odd duck in the movie, he says, uh, you know, hey, if it makes you feel any better, Kate, you left your son at home. I also left my reading glasses at home. You know, what a guy. He says that, and, and it just reminded me so much of people that I've had in my own personal life try to offer peace through their own experience, but it just missed the mark. Have you ever been there? If you lose a spouse, the guy that's talking to you who lost his goldfish, it doesn't meet the, it's not the same, is it? Not the same. So the guy who lost 10 bucks on the street is not the same as the guy who lost half of his financial portfolio. It's not the same. So, as the movie progresses, the actress does a wonderful job. She looks at the camera, and she just has this look. It's caught right here in this picture, and she says, what kind of a mother am I? Because nothing that was said or done in that moment could ease her sense of guilt. And that's where we're starting. Guilt, in the practical sense, is being affected by a feeling of extreme regret about a particular decision or circumstance. Extreme regret. It's like that sick feeling you get when you're speeding and all of a sudden you have blue lights in the rearview mirror and you are busted. It's the feeling you get when a friend stops talking to you because you betrayed their trust, right? You know you, you did something wrong. Or maybe when you're written up at work because you're operating in a gray area. Maybe you broke a promise. You said you'd do something and you're just, you know, the, the serial promise breaker. And you just feel that, that hideous sense of guilt. Well, guilt alone is not, is not entirely bad. But guilt is a curse when it becomes shame in your life, when it becomes unhealthy guilt. And unhealthy guilt develops, and I want you to really lean in and catch this. Unhealthy guilt develops when guilt becomes who you are instead of what you did. You see, there's a big difference between who God made you to be and the things of your past that you did. The things that you did were actionable. You did something. But just because you made a mistake, that should not disengage you from who God created you to be. Are you with me this morning? So here are some differences. I feel really bad for yelling at my kids today. Guilt. Oh, I'm such a bad person. Shame. Man, I really messed up at work today. Guilt. I'm a complete failure at what I do. Shame. I have an addiction. I'm trying to work through it. Guilt. I can't do anything right. I'm trash. Shame. Do you see the difference? You see, shame keeps us stuck in past failures. And unhealthy guilt is shame. But shame has a way of merging into your identity. Because you feel such regret about an issue that you've dealt with in your life that you think that there cannot be any freedom from the feeling that you have. And so you walk through life 
and you carry shame and you carry it and you carry it and you carry it and then it hijacks, completely hijacks your identity. And then all of a sudden, shame is, is in the steering position of your life. You know who should be sitting there? Is God. Because God doesn't want you to live in a world of shame. But shame is something that we hold on to because we feel like we aren't good enough to be able to lay it down and receive healing. Shame hijacks identity. So you become what you did instead of allowing that issue to remain stuck in the past. Are you still with me this morning? Because shame hijacks identity. But living in shame disengages you from God's purpose and plan for your life. Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 7.10. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. It leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow, shame. Worldly sorrow brings death. Unhealthy guilt leads to shame. And shame leads to death. Well, Pastor Josh, like, I feel shameful about something, so I'm going to die? No, not, not at all. But the death that we're talking about, the worldly sorrow, ultimately is separation from God. But I would submit to you this, even walking around day to day, going to, going to your, your daily schedule, whatever that may be, work, school, whatever, man, you are disengaged from God's plan and purpose and that's walking a real death because you are disengaged from God's ultimate plan for your life because you cannot release the shame and hurt that you felt. Are you with me this morning? But I thank God for healthy guilt. There is such a thing as healthy guilt. We call it conviction here. This is God's blessing intended for your life, complete blessing. It's God's Holy Spirit prompting you to change something, to just, to just change something. That's it. It's that still, small voice or guide that aligns with God's word. It nudges us in the right direction. This should work in our lives kind of like the check engine light on your car. It's the light that you know, shows up and that you don't want to do anything about. It's that thing. Right, So I think there's a picture of it here. So this is what it could look like. And so what conviction does is it stops our lives from having one light to this thing. Multiple lights, multiple issues, multiple errors, multiple sins. If we will just listen to God's guiding voice, then God will keep us from continually living in shame, and because we feel like we live in shame anyway, well, what's the point of you know, engaging in, in this other sinful activity? Well, since, since we've done that, what's the point? I mean, I can't get back to God anyway, so I've already crossed this line, so I may as well step over another line. And I've already made this sin, so what's the point? And I'll just, I'll just sin again over here because God's not gonna accept me. Are you with me this morning? And I'm just gonna keep stepping until finally I look back and I find myself in a part of life that I should never have been, that I've never saw myself going to, and that I could have avoided if I just would have listened to God's guiding, convicting spirit. You see, God's not trying to put his thumb on us 
to keep us down. He's trying to put boundaries around us to protect us. And that's what healthy guilt really is whenever we feel it. That's why Paul wrote, godly sorrow brings repentance. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And that leads to salvation, Paul wrote. It leaves no regret. It shouldn't leave regret. Regret is the arch nemesis of shame. Hear me. Being able to to say, Lord, I regret it, but I'm going to leave my regret over here, and I'm going to leave my shame over here, but salvation, I'll accept. I'll accept my forgiveness. Those are the things that are the arch enemy of shame and regret. And that's why Paul wrote this and said that worldly sorrow brings death. Healthy guilt leads to conviction. That's good. Like, I want to feel bad about something I'm doing wrong so I know it's not the right thing to do. Like, seriously. I want to feel bad about it so that I can go, that's not right. And you should feel blessed and honored when you feel like and you, and you think, man, this is the wrong thing here. When you feel that regret, when you feel that sorrow, listen to me, man, that's healthy. Because, because you are listening, you are sensing what God is trying to say to you. And that should give you a lot of comfort because you know, man, I'm not gone yet. I'm right in line with what God wants me to do. I'm sensing his Holy Spirit. I'm feeling his presence, and I need to respond to that. And so healthy conviction, healthy guilt leads to conviction, which leads to repentance, which leads to freedom. Oh, man, I love these signs that are here at either side of the platform. Is anything too hard for God? Genesis 18. Nothing, nothing, nothing is too difficult for God. And when I was reading in the book of Genesis for this, for this a series, for this sermon, I found that, I found that the, the story of Adam and Eve is, is kind of a story of, of shame and redemption in a lot of ways. And if you've never read the story out of the book of Genesis, I would encourage you to do so, but... In a nutshell, here it is. God creates everything, then he creates Adam and Eve, and then he says, hey, here's a tree, you don't eat it, okay, don't eat the fruit of it, and they decide to, okay, short, that's like the YIV, that's the Yancey International Version, that's like really, really condensed. And then they eat the tree, they have this conversation with a crafty serpent, and then uh, they eat this, uh, the fruit of the tree here, and then all of a sudden they go, oh my goodness, we are completely uncovered here. Let, let's, let us cover ourselves with some fig leaves and let's run and hide uh, in this forest because God won't see us even though he created the forest and us and everything else. And so they do this thing. Genesis 3, 7, they cover themselves in fig leaves. And then Genesis 3, 8, check this out. They, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Have you ever thought about this before? If you've ever heard the story, that when Adam and Eve sinned, their immediate reaction was not to run and say, God, and find God and say, God, I'm sorry, here's what I did. Their immediate reaction, much like you and I, most likely, unless, you know, I mean, maybe you're better than me and this is not you, but for me, I will say for me. It is human nature to go, oh my goodness, let's hide from God. That's immediate reaction. So if that's been you and there's been sin in your life and, and man, the first thing you wanted to do was just run and hide, you're in good company 
with like biblical characters because that's what they did too. Because it is nature, human nature, to just run and say, God, I don't want to talk to you. I'm so ashamed because you know that God is holy and he's righteous and he does not approve of sin. And so our immediate reaction instead of running towards God is to run away from God. And that's what Adam and Eve did. And they ran and they, they hid themselves and they almost camouflaged themselves with these fig leaves, these coverings that they made on their own account and hid in these, in these trees kind of because God's passing through so they're trying to hide themselves. Are you with me still here? There's a little bit of humor to the story, Pastor Josiah, I think, because it's not as if the Lord God who created everything, the garden, and them didn't know where they were at. But they're hiding still. But we do this all the time. We feel conviction, and we have this moment of healthy guilt, and if we don't deal with it, it turns into unhealthy guilt, and that becomes shame. And all of a sudden, instead of dealing with God, if we feel guilty, we're reminiscing maybe over something as we lay our heads down on our pillows at night before we go to bed, and God's bringing something to our mind. Man, you shouldn't have said that. Man, you really have to make this right. You shouldn't have taken that money, whatever the case may be. Instead of dealing with God, we simply roll over and go to bed. We hide ourselves by sleeping it off. Maybe we binge on Netflix. We cover ourselves. Maybe we just hide in our smartphone. We cover ourselves. Maybe, maybe we jump online and surf eBay for five hours. I don't know. We cover ourselves. Maybe we take a drive, turn up the music, and never acknowledge God, and we cover ourselves. Are you with me? Because the most uncomfortable thing for us is to face God because it reveals, stay with me here, it reveals our sin, and that's uncomfortable, isn't it? To face God and say, I did this, and confess with our mouths that we sin. Sometimes is very unnerving for us. That is what Adam and Eve are feeling in this story. But I am so thankful. I'm thankful for a God that speaks to us even though we sin and that can call us out for purpose and identity. You see, God was still strolling through the garden. He didn't stop walking through the garden because he knew that his people sinned. Because he wasn't going to give up on Adam and Eve. And so in Genesis 3, 9, we hear that God is walking, we know that God is walking through the garden and Adam and Eve hear him and he says, where are you? Where are you? Now, do we really think God didn't know where they were at? Of course he did. Just like he knows where I'm at and where you're at and where you're at and where you're at. Because no amount of fig trees, not no telling how many hours of Netflix, whatever the case may be, it doesn't cover you from God's presence. By the way, I'm not anti-Netflix, by the way. I have a lot of shows I do like to watch, but I think you understand my point. There's nothing that you can put between you and God that will stop him from reaching out and saying, where are you? Where are you? Because when he's asking the question, He's not asking where they're at physically. He's saying, where are you at? Spiritually, come out. I want to talk with you. You see, God doesn't stop reaching just because we do. Thank God he doesn't stop reaching just because we stop. You see, when God called them, their immediate reaction was not to run out to daddy God 
and cry at his feet and ask for forgiveness. It was to make excuses like we've done. It was to continue to hide. It was to talk a little bit from the bush, hoping that he wouldn't come closer. That is almost the immediate reaction until you're used to talking with God. These are the things that made them feel unworthy, just like you and me. And those are the walls that we put up. I'd be worthy if I could just get sober. Then I'd be worthy to come to church. Then I'd be worthy to talk to God. I'd be worthy if I could get that scholarship. Then, then I'd be able to darken the doors of a church. Then I'd be able to, to kneel at the altar. Then I would have arrived. Then, if I could just get that salary, if my parents would just approve, if I just had the right clothes, if I just had the right position, if I just got my financial portfolio back up, then I would be worthy. But you know what? God, in Genesis 3, verses 10 through 21, begins to interact with them. And he makes, he makes no excuses for them, but he says, you know what? You did this, and here are your consequences. Because how many know, when there is a decision that is made, there are consequences for what we do. It's the way of life. So God said, here's what's going to happen. You disobeyed, so I have to remove you from the garden. Oh, and... And now when you labor, you work, is going to be a lot more difficult. Oh, and childbirth, by the way, is going to be way more difficult for you, Eve. Sorry, ladies. So all these things are going to happen. So he keeps naming consequence, consequence, consequence. And you might read that and go, oh, my word. If I admit to these things, I'm just, I'm just going to get a bunch of you know, lashes from the Lord or something. I mean, when you just read it and you don't finish if you stop reading and you don't understand the love of God here in the story, you could really miss something very, very important. So if you'll hang with me a few more minutes, I promise that if you're dealing with shame today, that this will set you free because it's God's word. So God begins to name these consequences that I just gave you, and then he does something, Pastor Josiah, he does something so incredible to me. Genesis 3.21 says this, and this is after the consequence. This is after they hid. They didn't want to see God. They ran away. This is after they hid in the camouflage. This is after they blamed each other. They blamed the serpent. And this is after God throws down on the serpent. And then he tells them what's going on. He gives them all the consequences. Then he does something so incredible. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife. And he clothed them. You see, Adam and Eve were at their lowest. They were at their most embarrassed. They were in their most shameful state. They were living in an identity crisis. You need to know that your sin and your shame do not define you. You are not your sin. You are not your mistakes. You are not your addictions. You are treasured and you are beloved and you are a child of God and you have purpose and you have meaning. So when the Bible says that the Lord God clothed them, he was saying, I still love you. I still care for you. I want you to walk in purpose. I want you to walk in meaning. And so I know you made some coverings here for you. You're going to remove those and I'm going to give you something 
better. I'm going to give you some animal skin. It's going to keep you warm when it gets cold outside the garden because I love you and I care for you. Amen. That's good. And so it's good because it's the Lord's word. Pastor Brian brought up such a valuable point as he closed out this earlier this morning, the sermon earlier this morning. And this is so true. If you think about the process to get from fig coverings to animal skin, that means that the Lord had to take an animal, there had to be a sacrifice. There had to be some blood spilled in order to get that skin and cover Adam and Eve in it so they weren't cold when they walked out of the garden, so they had something new and fresh from the Lord. There had to be a way made for them. I am so thankful. As Isaiah 54, 4 says, fear not, you will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid, there is no more disgrace for you. I'm so glad there has been a sacrifice for me so I don't have to live in shame and regret, but I can live in redemption, I can live in purpose, I can live in meaning, and I can rest in my Savior. He's my King, and He's my Jesus, and I won't let anything take it away from me. Maybe you're in here this morning, and you're thinking to yourself, as we've gone through these passages of Scripture we've taught, maybe you're thinking to yourself, man, that's me. I'm dealing with shame. I'm dealing with guilt. Or maybe you're sitting here in the house, or maybe you're online, sitting on the couch listening, I don't know. And you're thinking to yourself, I am completely disengaged from the understanding of this God that you are talking about. That's not the God I know. I don't know what God I serve, but it's not that loving, awesome, careful, descriptive God that you just described to me. That's not, that's not who I'm engaged with. With every head bowed and eye, all eyes closed across the place, even if you're online, just, just find, find a quiet place there where you can just you can just really lean into God for just a moment. That's what this is. This is the moment where lives get changed. It's not because of me. It's because of who God is. It's because of his character. It's because he loves you. It's because he's reaching out and he's saying, where are you? Where are you? I've given that sacrifice. I've given my son who shed his blood for your sin. I've given Jesus who died on the cross and he rose up from the dead three days later and he defeated hell in the grave and he says there's forgiveness here. Where are you? He's not saying go get worthy before you come to the altar of God. He's not saying go get worthy. He's saying come to me as you are. Wherever you're at, whatever you've done, I want you. I care for you. I love you. I offer forgiveness. I offer healing. I offer purpose. I offer meaning. What shame has taken from you, what it has hijacked from you, I will restore to you. If you just come to me. And if that's you this morning, whether you're online or here in the, in the house, if you're saying, man, I want to know who that is. I want, I want to experience Christ for myself. Or maybe you're thinking, I once committed my life to Christ. And I'm no longer there. I mean, I'm disengaged, completely disengaged from God. There's no shame in that. Because God's standing right here saying, where are you? Where are you? I want you. I want you. I'll take you. If that's you, would you just, just maybe look up at me here? If that's you, just slip your hand in the air. 
Just make that. Praise God for that hand. Thank you. Thank you. If that's you, just look up just real quick. That's it. I'm not here to call you out, make you stand up. I'm not doing that. I'm just, but it is an outward sign that you are ready to be recommitted to God. Just a little bit longer. If there's somebody else, you just say, man, that's me, Josh. I need to get closer to God. Thank you. Praise God. Maybe you're in here tonight and, you know, you've been walking with the Lord for some time. That means you've had a relationship with God. You've been going to church and maybe you've been online or whatever, and you're just going, man, I, I have carried, even though I'm committed to Christ, I'm committed, I'm in. I've been in. For 30 years I've been in. But I'm walking in shame. I'm ashamed of things I've done in the past I've never told anybody about. I'm ashamed of things I did last week that I haven't told anybody about. But God knows. My friend, I'm here to tell you, you can lay that shame down today. God has not called you to walk in shame. He's called you to walk in freedom and truth. And if that's here this morning, my God is big enough. He can reach down and he can minister to you right where you're at. Right where you're at. If that's you, would you just, would you just look up at me? Would you just, it's just an outward sign saying, hey, that's me. And we're going to pray for everybody here in just a second. If that's you, just slip your hand in the air and look up. Say, man, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Just say, Lord God, that's me. And God knows. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful that you are here and you are real and you are ministering to each and every person here this morning. And God, I just ask right now in Jesus' name that you relieve shame and guilt right now, Father. Right now. If that's you this morning, you're dealing with shame and guilt, just begin to just utter that up to the Lord right now and just say, God, receive my shame. Receive my guilt. Receive it. Receive it. Take that thing. Launch it up to God. Give it to him. Completely release it. When we say give it to God, we mean you take that thing. You can speak it. You can think on it. And you say, God, this thing, whatever it is, I want you to have it, God, because I can no longer carry this weight. I need you to take it, Lord. Jesus said, my yoke is light. I'll take your burden that's you right now just speak it out to God right now just release it to him and then receive from him right now forgiveness don't walk in your own shame don't walk in your own unhealthy guilt you receive that forgiveness right now just say God forgive me of that dark thing that I did I'm shameful for it Lord but I receive your forgiveness God I want that animal skin God I want that covering I want that I want that forgiveness I want that salvation. I need that salvation, that covering, that purpose, that meaning. God, I want it again. I need it. God, I need it. Now just re- now receive it. Receive it. Sometimes you, God will forgive you, but you have to forgive yourself. God, I receive it. I receive it. Now, if you're in here and you've never accepted Christ, very simply, very simply, just utter, God, I believe. I believe. I believe you sent Jesus to sacrifice himself on the cross for my sin. I believe it. Lord, I I believe that he rose from the dead three days later. God, I believe it. I know he did. If you mean that in your heart and can confess Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. You will be saved. If you want to learn more about those next steps after you've become, if this is your first time committing your life to Christ or you've recommitted your life to Christ, I'm sure some of us down front can can help you talk about next steps or if you need more prayer I'm sure that um, I'm sure that there are people that can pray with you afterwards 
Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to be here this morning. We're thankful, God, for your salvation in Jesus Christ. There is no other name in heaven or earth by which we can be saved, God. No other name. And we are thankful for your son, Jesus. God, we're thankful for the covering that you give us. We're thankful, God, that you spilled your blood for us through your son, Jesus. We're thankful, Lord, that we can give you something shameful and you can give us purpose in return. And so, God, right now, we just ask that by your Holy Spirit, you would sweep through every single aisle here this morning and every person that's watching online. You're not limited by geographical location, God. Anybody can feel your presence right now in this moment. And so we just ask that as people identify these moments of hurt, shame, and guilt in their lives, and as they've offered up to you, that you enter in right now and begin to give them healing, and that they receive that healing, they receive that purpose, they receive that meaning in their lives, and they walk in freedom. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' powerful name, everybody said, amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelsd.com or any social media platform at faithchapelsd. See you real soon.